so that's that. I, I think this is looking like probably our, our penultimate episode of this uh, series, isn't it? Uh, yeah, um, it, I mean, depending on how we do things, it could well be the last. Um, I think we're certainly um, looking at wrapping up the blog that we're running through just now, the article that we're running through just now. Uh, seven ways to escape the rat race. Yes. We've done five of the seven ways to escape the rat race. Well, we haven't done them. Um, we've discussed them. And for the most part, we've been too lazy to act on them. But we've got the perfect one for the people who are too lazy coming up next. How do you feel, sure about the sabbatical strategy? One of my friends from school took, saved up a, a very small amount of money, took a whole year off and uh, went to live in Berlin for a year. And A, seems to have absolutely loved it. And B, has come back quite clear that that's not where she wants to live for the rest of her life which I think that's one of the real advantages of something like that because if you were to work towards 20 years to build up a dream or something like that and then realise it's not actually the dream you want yeah, that sounds difficult but just to clarify obviously the sabbatical strategy is the idea of doing just that of right now or as soon as is practically feasible taking time out of life to go and do something well an example would be the mini retirement you take one year where you take a break from your job you essentially are retired you maybe go do some hobbies or you try something else for a while with the intention of coming back to basically the same life potentially at the end of it is that fair yep i mean i I would hope that most people have come across the term sabbatical at some point i i don't know I I used the term sabbatical at one point and people were quite surprised by it, but I, I, I've come from a family where my dad's a, a pastor and would have built-in sabbaticals. I know that a lot of like education jobs, higher education jobs, have sabbaticals in them, but I'm not sure that it's a... Yeah, I a guess it's maybe way. not universal. No. And is the, would you say maybe the sabbatical strategy is different from taking a sabbatical and that your strategy might be to take regular sabbaticals? You might say every five years, I'm going to take six months off. And rather than constantly be in the rat race or rather than say I'm going to retire at 40, I would just pace myself, have these nice big breaks every now and then, and that will keep me fresh, keep me happy, keep me appreciating life. See, when you put it like that, it does sound quite attractive, actually. It sounds more attractive than maybe I'd thought it before. Does it need to be one or the other? No, absolutely not. I think any strategy that involves taking at least one substantial break, I would count under this banner of sabbatical strategy. I guess, is it worth just asking, what would you say is the boundary between a holiday and a sabbatical? (laughs) As someone who's only recently been introduced to the idea of holidays, I don't think I know. <laughs> Anything, Anything's a sabbatical. So, wait, wait, what? Wait, let's backtrack a bit. Someone who's just been introduced to the idea of holidays. Well, well, it's, it's only been like the last year that I've actually worked in a job where I get paid holidays and I just didn't take them before when I was self-employed. Or you do, but you don't You don't take them in the same way and you don't take them for as long and you don't stop thinking about the fact that you've, you're self-employed the, time, the whole time. You know... So I don't f- feel like I've had a holiday in, in the way that other people might have had a holiday. Okay, yeah. So I, I'm coming from the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I'm coming as <laughs> someone who's 
never been self-employed and has always had um, the very luxurious UK standard five paid weeks holiday a year plus actually most managers are in a position where they can't refuse reasonable requests for unpaid leave yeah so yeah i mean i i think holidays are a thing you should do all the time and i think they're great you don't need to go anywhere just no get your brain out of work yeah but it does change things like this so like if you think about paid versus unpaid leave just the mentality of it if you have only got the option for unpaid leave which is what a lot of people who are self-employed have then let's say rather than taking a day off work to um, clear the rubbish from the garden for example you're almost certainly better working a day and paying someone to do that for you and in a lot of ways that actually i think that maybe makes sense in all situations but what it does mean is it just reinforces the idea that that job is all you ever do and you don't ever do anything else well i mean yeah i guess there's two discussions there there's well i I agree on the face of it that if you can work the day and pay someone to do the other task at home and end up better off financially that that could be the better thing to do but there is just value in having time off of work oh i agree absolutely but it's harder to see that value i think when it has to be unpaid. Yeah, uh-huh. I think there's there's a value there in paid leave that I've not really considered before now, that it normalises the time off and that it seems like yeah. you're in the same situation regardless, even though in theory I could take paid leave and then work on some kind of self-employed project. The way it's laid out encourages me to think of it as time off to rest, to do something recreational spend time with my family and it works out brilliantly yeah so how long would uh, time off have to be to be counted as a sabbatical in your mind well i'm almost hesitant to say because i now think our answer is going to be very different so <laughs> lead us off because i have i think a fairly clear idea in my mind i feel like if it was less than a month in one go it would just be a slightly longer holiday I feel like more than a month you could start making the argument that it's not just a holiday, that it's something more than that. I feel I get the impression when most people talk about many retirements or sabbaticals or these kind of things that you're looking at uh, six months plus probably is what, what kind of people seem to talk about. But I, I don't feel that that's a hard and fast thing. Yeah, there's definitely not a, a formal definition. I think if someone said to me, as you said, just there, someone used the word sabbatical or mini retirement, I'm expecting something six months, probably a year. Sure. I would be surprised if it was less than that. And I'd be questioning their use of the word below three months. I guess the reason I bring this up is because in the article itself, it talks about the advantages on disadvantages of sabbatical and then gives an example of their experience with sabbaticals. Uh-huh. And one of them was six weeks off, one of them was one month off, one of them was two months off, and then the last one was a year off. And the first three of those, six weeks, one month and two months, that just sounds like planned big holidays to me. Yeah. So that makes me a little bit confused about where exactly the article is coming from when it talks about the sabbatical strategy. Are we just talking about work-life balance, like making sure you take regular time away from work? Or are we talking about substantial gaps where you're not thinking about the job at all could that be coming from more point of view of the planning and preparation that's had to go into that because somebody who maybe only gets two weeks holiday a year and maybe doesn't get anything paid beyond that or even that 
may have to put in a significant amount of preparation to be able to take two months off. Could that be where the difference is? Yeah, I guess so. I'm I'm not sure it necessarily makes much of a difference in terms of the effect it'll have on you. Although I guess the planning aspect shapes the outcomes as well. I, I, it just might, again, highlight how privileged we are. Oh, absolutely. It's like a first world problem of... It's not a proper break from work unless it's six months. <laughs> and it's all semantics, isn't it? Like, I'm not saying... Yeah. I'm not for a moment saying that a month off isn't valuable. Like, that, I still think, is an extremely rare thing. As much as I have five weeks paid annual leave and feel very lucky to have that, if I was to apply for four weeks off at the same time, um, as in a continuous four weeks off, that would be a very difficult thing. Yeah. And there's a lot of chance it wouldn't get approved. So it is still substantial. It does require planning and approval, and it would feel like a big thing. It wouldn't feel like a regular holiday. Um, I would expect if I applied for anything more than two weeks off in one go, that there's a chance it could get knocked back. Yeah. Um, and even that is from a position of huge privilege. You said a few minutes ago that having paid leave normalises the idea of being away from work and maybe makes you, for good and for bad, less inclined to work on your own project or similar while you're off. It gives you an excuse and a reason to just recuperate. Do you think that an unpaid break of six months or 12 months would feel pressured into achieving something with that time to make it worthwhile having done that? Or do you think that you would be able to use that to recuperate in a similar way? I guess it depends on the intention. If it's planned in advance as, like, I'm going to do this recreational thing, then it'd be very easy in my mind to take six months off, assuming I had the funding for it and not focus on making income in that time. If I took the time off with a view to setting up a business, seeing how it went, I think there would be a feeling of pressure to try and meet some kind of equivalence. Sure. Or at least some like minimum bar, feel like I was using my time well. Yeah. Coming back to the idea of not necessarily the definition of sabbatical, but the difference between having a month off or having six months off. Do you think there's some kind of qualitative difference in the experience of having something a month or less off and having a much longer period, like six months, a year away from your job? I have no experience of this. I know uh, one friend from school and her partner who have done this. I don't know anyone else who's ever done this. If you read Mad Scientist from a while ago and he talks about his first ventures into long traveling slow travel the couple's first ventures into that and they had originally planned to do slow travel for six months a year or so and found that that was just far too much now obviously they've already achieved five that they can plan that time how they want it but they found that that was just that it, it was such a long time that the the novelty of certain things wore off and the the loss of home life became somewhat of a of a chore and a tedium in itself I, I could see how there could be diminishing returns in that kind of way at the same time would having long enough off to achieve something in particular whether that is a passion project or or start a business or whatever could that be enough to completely change your, your worldview and return to your job a different person? I think it, it very it realistically could be. 
Whereas only ever taking off a week at a time is never going to give you that opportunity. So speaking from absolutely no experience and very limited anecdotal evidence only, uh, I'm going to say yes and no. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're saying yes and yes to me. Like there's <laughs> the the diminishing returns argument where having a week off is in many cases enough to just completely refresh yourself and actually you're back to working at 100%, no burnout at all. And then, or maybe not 100%, but say 90%, you know, you take a week off from work, you feel a lot better, pretty much all the way back to normal. Every yeah. extra week off after that will be better, but it's not giving you double the effect or triple the effect sure. in, in terms yeah. of recovery. And then there's the exponential argument that you made where after a certain time off, you've got the potential to reach these like critical mass points where you've had so much time to focus on some other thing or realize some new aspect of yourself that it's a complete life shift that just wouldn't be possible in a shorter space of time having taken longer and shorter breaks what what's your view i have taken mostly weeks off you know like one maybe two weeks off in fact no regularly most years i will take a gap of two weeks off round about christmas just because it makes a lot of sense for traveling further to visit family and i can't really imagine fitting things like that into a smaller space of time and then when i go to visit places to travel a week feels like the minimum to me and it always feels a little bit rushed and then there's been one occasion where i've gone for four weeks traveling and even that didn't feel like long enough to properly explore so you would have wanted more than a month yeah i i feel like when it comes to travel the slower the better and having read that same stuff about mad scientists trying slow travel and missing home life whilst i agree with parts of it and think that maybe it takes a certain mindset to enjoy continuous traveling i almost think that if you're missing home life, that may be a sign that you're just not doing it slow enough. Okay. I certainly feel like no matter how long I take in a place, I feel like having longer to explore is better. Okay. But then it's it's not just about travel. It's about the time away from work as well. And that's different. If you were to take 12 months off, what would you go and do? The idea of a sabbatical, you know, in my head, six months off or 12 months off, I just think is a fantastic idea and I think more people should do something like this and I I think it all centers around identity in terms of like okay. who you think you are and what you think makes you you and I think this is a thing that sneaks up on people and can like constrain their happiness in unexpected ways and that you try to figure out who you are, you build up that identity for yourself and you express that in your habits, in your environment, in your friend groups and what you expect of them and what they expect of you. And then after a while, all those things start to act more on you than you act on them. So you're, you've created certain habits with your friends, you act a certain way and then even if they don't, expect certain things of you for them to love you and care about you you have in your head that they know you do it this way you make these kinds of jokes yeah you don't dance at parties and um, you like to go to horror films and um, you don't like rom-coms all of these sorts of cultural things and that can stop you developing in certain ways okay i don't know if i'm expressing that very clearly 
Yeah. But the opposite example would be like people making character developments when they go into new phases of life. I have experience of living in lots of different shared houses and people in shared houses tend to be at unstable or unpredictable points in their life. Um, So they're often people who are, are studying or people who've suddenly become unemployed or have stayed with more than one person going through a divorce or someone who's just been kicked out of the house by their parents or their partner or any of these kind of things. There are very few people who go into shared accommodation as a lifestyle choice. Yeah. And I've had lots of conversations with people where they put these kind of labels on themselves of being a particular type of person. I'm the type of person who is an introvert at parties or I'm the type of person who does any of those things you've just said there's two observations i've made of a lot of these people the first is a lot of these labels they give themselves seem to genuinely help people understand themselves but and the the labels then also become self-reinforcing and stop or, or reduce the potential for cha- for personal change i think i think the person who labels themselves as, as an introvert potentially paints themselves into a box where they will always be an introvert maybe not realizing that they are an introvert in certain situations and not in other situations and actually maybe the, the whole label of introvert doesn't actually mean anything in the first place and and so i would agree with you i think that there there is potential for these uh, things to to limit so what's the alternative well when you see people move out of their usual environment so the classic one would be people going moving out for university yeah and suddenly they can completely change character. They can go from being the relatively quiet, well-behaved, rule-abiding person to the party animal, or they can go from the party animal to the very studious person. And is this, do you mean by choice or definitely, by accident? I, I, I definitely am implying it's by choice. Accident's probably part of it as well. What I think happens is that when you're in a certain environment, your character and your sense of interest and the things you want to do can develop but not have an outlet. So you might decide, actually, maybe I do want to go to that wilder party, but I'm concerned about what all my friends will think about me. And then you move away to go to university and none of those reservations are there because no one's going to see. And then you get to try out whatever it was that you were interested in. You know, the wild party is the classic example, but you might go to university and suddenly realise that you can give the sci-fi and fantasy society a go. You know, you can try out the Dungeons and Dragons or you can go and join the choir and your friend group isn't there to see you take that experiment and that can lead to huge jumps. Just to clarify, none of these are personal examples, I'm assuming. Oh, let's just say there's at least one personal <laughs> example in there. <laughs> but I have, I've noticed at each stage like that in my life in high school, I had a certain group of friends. And when I moved out to go to university, aspects of that had less less hold on me and that there were areas of my life where I could try out new things. And that allowed me to develop in certain ways and find new interests and like yeah. loosen my attachment to interests that actually were just there out of habit rather than continued interest. Yeah. And then particularly when I made a much more extreme change and actually moved out of that city, moved away from Glasgow to the islands, and suddenly none of that past life had any direct accountability on me. I I would change even more dramatically. 
I appreciate what you're saying about the friends and environment and things like that. I, I suspect there is a big part of the expectations you put on yourself as well there. Yes, uh-huh. but I think your friends and your environment are totems for those expectations. So, I mean, I, I, I suspect we disagree slightly on this because you told your story about the people you met who are going through those transitions and who've actually changed their environment already but carry with them an identity that's still constraining them. Yes. Um, whereas I think that when I've changed my environment, the things that I had as excuses for maintaining that old identity of so-and-so might judge me or, oh, but I, I need to go to that because I go every week. I couldn't do those things and those people couldn't judge me and that freed uh-huh. me. And I got to try out new things and change opinions. And in my mind, became a better person. But in other people's minds, maybe not. <laughs> you know, I certainly became a different person. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And it became more of what I wanted to be. I certainly like who you are. And I'm sure I'd have liked the person that you were if that was a different person. This reminds me, and I, <laughs> I've, really, I've really been hoping the whole conversation I could bring some book title into this. And it's... It's annoyed me so far that I haven't really been able to, so this is a bit tenuous. I think it's from the book Peak, and I think that's Anders Ericsson. It might also be the book Mindset. It's one of those two. I think it's Peak. They talk about the successful person as the person who builds themselves an identity of being someone who tries new things and likes to try and improve on what they are. So the less successful, less adaptable person might be someone who says they they don't play sports. But the more successful person might be, right now I don't play sports. If ever an opportunity arises, then because I'm the type of person who tries new things and likes to try and improve, I'll give it a go. And I I see a little bit of that in what you've said of, of being the type of person who when you've moved away from that environment, being both willing and able to try and be a better or more varied version of yourself so the reason i bring all of that up is because you asked if i was going to take a 12 month sabbatical what would i do yeah and the re- so the reason i say all of that is i think that is the secret power of the sabbatical is the potential to discover what your new identity is so if your environment is like the chrysalis around a developing caterpillar, by getting rid of that, even momentarily, you can become your beautiful butterfly. <laughs> so what I would do is I would go somewhere different for the 12 months and I would ideally spend time with new people. In the hypothetical perfect world, it would be just me that goes to maximise this effect. In practice... <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. I'm sure. I'm sure you're partner and child will love that <laughs> in practice i quite like my partner and child yeah but they'll understand you're going to go wait and not speak to them for a year you can see where i'm coming from i i do i find that a fascinating idea you've said that you think that everybody should try it at some point do you have any plans to go on sabbatical not in the very short term and um, purely because i can't see how i could make that work for my employer so the health board i work for and the region i work for kind of needs me to be around or needs to replace me the idea of me going away temporarily is actually surprisingly awkward for them sure so it would need to be either for a very long time you know a minimum of a year or just regular holiday where i can basically cover myself if i was to do it in practice it probably would be 
more like three to four years from now and i okay. would want to do it as the family would go so me hazel and baby or wouldn't be a baby then ren could go somewhere else and just try a different lifestyle for a while and um, because yeah the theory works even for like a family unit and that yeah. your identity as a family can shift and you can learn new things together oh absolutely yeah i think i off the top of my head would like to live somewhere that speaks a different language possibly go to the alps and possibly have ren go to school taught in a different language interesting i don't yeah i don't have much more to put in specifics for that do the regional accents of scotland not count as different languages (laughs) some of them definitely do (laughs) they certainly appear to be to me certainly one of the appeals of areas of scotland including where we are is that ren can go to school taught in gaelic uh-huh. You know, he can have his math classes taught in Gaelic. And whilst that's not the globe-trotting language skill that you might get from, you know, going to school and Spanish. learning in Spanish or Japanese or Chinese or something like that. Yeah. I think it still develops just a general language skill and appreciation of the structure of culture. Yeah. That is very important. So I, I like that. Yeah. I had a conversation at work recently about accents and someone from Eastern Europe was unsure which of the Celtic regions I come from. I think I've got a fairly clear accent as Glaswegians go. I don't think it's particularly strong. Um, it's not particularly lyrical. And I don't really think it sounds Welsh or Irish, but this this person was struggling to, to place it. And I, and I had originally taken offence, but then they asked me what part of eastern europe where they from <laughs> and i realized that in my head there's only three accents in the whole of europe you've got the kind of romantic languages the spanish frenchy kind of those kind of languages you've got the kind of middle of europe the kind of germanic and then you've got the other side of europe the more kind of russian sounding languages and in my head that is the only three accents there are. So I have to make an apology to that person because uh, on reflection, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I find that entertaining a lot of the time. I regularly get a little bit confused when people can't place where in the UK I'm from. You know, they just yeah. they just hear a British accent. Like, yes. What, what even is a British accent, says my brain? <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because you go three miles down the road and it's such a different accent, sometimes you can't understand what they're saying. And yeah, yeah, the asymmetry of that feeling is exactly the same as what you described. I can probably tell apart various regions of Western Europe, but that is basically it. Otherwise, you're talking yeah. about continents. <laughs> yep. Yeah, my yeah, resolution. So yeah, I th- that's roughly what I would do. I'd want to go somewhere different, try something new. I'd want to take that opportunity to shed an old skin, become someone new. And I absolutely think that that is something that people should proactively do. Okay. And that it will allow them to take big strides forwards in terms of their happiness and who they are. What What would you do? What would you recommend to others? The thought of taking a sabbatical doesn't come naturally to me. Like, I can't think of a project that I would feel passionate to do for a period of time. I can see the the benefit and the, the, the love and the appeal of taking off time to to take the children to school in another area, like you suggest, or even maybe to, to potentially homeschool them for a while, or just to be there more. 
But to me, a year of that doesn't seem like it would be enough for it to be worth the cost. I have a much less adventurous spirit than you do. Um, I don't, I don't relish the idea of losing appendages on the Alps or or whatever you might have suggested there. It doesn't, again, doesn't just come naturally to me. I love the idea of getting to a part of the world where the weather is more cheerful. But again, I'd want to do that for longer than a year. So that's why is that? That's interesting. Well, the reason that I make the distinction is because in my head, taking, say, a year out would then set back the ability to do that for longer term. So I feel like you would be cost, I would be costing myself more for what I want than I would be benefiting. Now, obviously, that's not going to be true for everyone. And you've already mentioned it depends on what your goals are there. But like, let's say, for example, and this is the kind of reason I don't think the sabbatical strategy would necessarily be right for me. There's a lot of um, things that require a minimum, there's a minimum entry to a lot of things. For example, owning a rental property. And if every three to five years you took a year out, you might never get to the point where you ever meet that minimum threshold. Because You're talking financially and that yeah, financially. You might spend a lot of your savings having the year out. Yeah. Well, that seems like a bit of a, a limiting belief to use one of the lingos. Why does it need to cost anything? It has to at least cost something in the sense that I'm not going to be able to earn what I earned just now while... Okay, yeah. So it's going to, at the very least, pause your growth. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's fair. So it, it feels to me like the, the cost is bigger than the benefit but that is a that's taking it from a really kind of staunch is this fire perspective where there, there there has to be a balance there because you could say the same about weekends they're they're delaying your fire if you take weekends yeah but absolutely i'm not going to stop <laughs> i think it's possibly just that you're used to what you already do yeah i would say almost something on the lines of i dare you to take a sabbatical and that <laughs> okay it sounds like you're exactly the kind of person I want to recommend this okay. kind of shift to. In theory, you're well set up for it. You talked in previous discussions about having stripped back your physical possessions at the very least and how that freed you up to be more mobile and how that gave you more opportunities. And this feels like just taking that to the next level. You know, maybe you don't leave your line of work entirely. Why don't you see about getting a job as a dentist in a touristy region of Europe, uh, you know, where they wouldn't mind having an English-speaking dentist and just shift your whole life for a while and learn something about yourself. And maybe you won't be earning as much necessarily, but that might help you realise you don't need to earn as much because you will be saying temporarily, I'm going to be living a much more constrained lifestyle. I'm going to rent something very, very small. My outgoings need to be minimal because currently the luxury is being somewhere else. You could find that actually having a lot less again is just, you know, it makes you just as happy. And if that's a success, you double your speed of getting to fire. You know, if you half your expenses just by learning to live smaller. That's very true. You do remind me of something that I, I have thought about before and I really fancy the idea of. And that is tourist holiday type things. Like right now, holidays are for spending time with family and school holidays are for spending time with the kids and things like that. But there's going to come a point in the not too distant future when the kids don't want to spend their holidays with me. And I just love the idea of taking a, a seasonal job 
like a three month job at uh, a theme park during their their <laughs> open season um a, a month's work in edinburgh at the festival these kind of jobs where the kind of the workers are, are transient where it is just there would be a lot i think a lot of life there i think i'd really really fancy that what do you mean a lot of life just a lot of bizarre and interesting people and, and a lot of um joyful people and a lot of uh yeah just a lot of life i think okay like an intensity to it you see people yeah having possibly the happiest day of their year um, and then you might see someone who's lost their mother or lost their child and is having the worst day of their year oh absolutely and then someone who's just actually had a disappointing hot dog and <laughs> <laughs> or you know like when you got an ice cream and then the ball of ice cream falls off the cone and in slow motion flats into the ground yeah and you know that that was a special treat and that you can't get another one and you can already feel yourself about to well up in tears uh-huh because you're annoyed, you want another ice cream, you can't get another ice cream, your dad's annoyed because the ice cream was more expensive than you could really justify and you've gone and wasted it on the floor and now there's a seagull <laughs> eating your little decorative icing bits. <laughs> Again, I'm going to assume that, that, is go- that there is no personal truth in that at all. That is just a purely hypothetical... That one, yeah, purely hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. So, so just to be around that, so there you go, There, there's my answer. In probably a decade's time, where my kids don't want to know me anymore and the summer holidays are open to whatever, I want to take a sabbatical to go and work at a theme park. That sounds fantastic. Excellent. Now, I feel that from the amount that we have waffled, we have not covered everything that we might have covered today. So... This is no longer the penultimate episode. Obviously, this is going to be the... What's the third to last? The pre-penultimate? <laughs> sure, let's go with that. And, and we're going to have to come back to our last strategy next time, which is, Ian? The gratitude adjustment strategy. Gratitude adjustment. I like the sound of that already. It sounds like a dystopian future to me. <laughs> Um, so everyone who's listening to this, your homework for next week is to watch the documentary Equilibrium, starring what's his face from The Matrix, <laughs> and what's his face from Game of Thrones season one. So those are your two actors. There's your film, and we'll talk about adjusting gratitude. <laughs> Absolutely. All I'm going to say is that I feel that my managerial responsibilities would be significantly less if there was a little bit of gratitude adjustment. I might bring that as a phrase into work. I might... Don't do it. No, <laughs> when gra- someone comes to me when someone comes to me and asks for four weeks off in a row, my reply is going to include the phrase gratitude adjustment. It just as an alternative to taking time off. Yes. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say or summarise in terms of the sabbatical strategy? Sabbatical. When I was a young child, my dad used to take sabbaticals and he would go and take uh, our grandparents' caravan to a rainy part of the country and he would fill up the back half of the caravan with religious texts and go and read them. Um, That might be why my reservation about sabbatical strategy is there. Thing in mind. So, 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> that might have um, clouded this whole conversation we've had. So um, maybe maybe don't listen to me, folks. That's maybe uh, Ian's probably a better one to listen to on this one. I don't think I have anything else to add. I think I've, um, <laughs> if anything, dominated the conversation with my enthusiasm for sabbaticals. Just <laughs> chuck your friends in the bin. Go try something new. Don't hold yourself accountable to the past version of you. Who are they anyway? I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, thank you for this lovely chat, Stuart. It's been an absolute delight. And I'll see you next time to adjust some gratitude. (laughs) I look forward to it already. Bye, Hazel. (laughs) Bye. Do you feel twice as good? Of course, yes, of course.